Hello everyone and welcome to CASH, an online community for career advice for college and high school enthusiasts. On this channel, we will help you navigate the exciting journey from classrooms to careers. I'm Anya Nagpal, your host, and I will help you learn from inspiring guests who have forged their paths in various industries. In each episode, we dive into the world of different careers, shedding light on opportunities you might not have considered, and providing valuable insights to help you make informed decisions. On CASH, we believe that a successful career is more than just landing the right job. It's about achieving a balance between professional growth and personal well-being. That's why, alongside our career discussions, we'll be exploring tips and strategies for managing your personal finances and maintaining a healthy and fulfilling lifestyle throughout your academic and professional journey. If you're new to the channel, make sure to follow us. Again, I'm your host, Anya, and this is CASH. With that, let's dive in. Joining me today is Livia Pelissary, who has 20 years of experience in the financial services industry, and she is currently working as a risk management executive. Welcome to the show. So, Thank you, Anya. To kick things off, can you start us with your background and career journey? Sure. Well, I did my engineering, and I specialized in information technology, and um, I think in my final years, I selected artificial intelligence as one of the core subjects. This was 20 years ago. And um, my first job was with a technology firm. And um, I started out as a Java developer. And um, through the years, I progressed from a developer to being a team lead. And then I moved on to be a project manager and um, I would say in 2010, I joined an investment bank in Singapore, and um, then I moved to the U.S. in 2012, and I've been here since. And um, somewhere along the line, I realized that I want to uh, move on from technology and then be more involved in risk management. So uh, it was a gradual progression from uh, helping with front office technology solutions. I moved on to risk technology solutions and uh, eventually found uh, that I really enjoy working in the risk team. And I took on the role where I would uh, support the chief risk officer in the region and uh, recognize that I'm really good at risk management. So I decided to continue with that. And um, separate from that, I also... Um, I'm an entrepreneur and uh, I've launched um, a company two years ago and uh, I try to balance between the two. Uh, the entrepreneur in me um, has always been there, but I think I wanted to first be part of a big organization and, you know, learn from it and then launch my own. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, so what does a typical day look like for you in your current role? So in my current role, um, it varies. So some days it's like a fire drill and some days it'll be calm and quiet. And um, it mainly starts out with, you know, looking at the risks across the region. I support the head of risk. So it involves understanding if anything has gone wrong, if things are going as planned, uh, talking to the business, talking to the traders, uh, trying to see if anyone needs help from a risk management standpoint and uh, providing the support that is needed uh, to provide effective oversight for the bank. Got it. And how important do you think networking is in building a successful career? 
I think it's um, very important. Um, I think, you know, most of the people don't recognize how important it is to have a good network. I think when I started out, I was more focused on just building my skills, working with my line manager, working with my immediate team. But I would not necessarily think about sitting with somebody from a different department, say finance or HR, and just having a cup of coffee and just, you know, just, just networking or joining a professional network because I was so engrossed in what I'm supposed to do that I don't think I spent as much time as I should have in maybe joining the networks and, you know, uh, joining the support networks or joining a professional network, whether be it within the organization or outside of it. And as I moved on in my career, I recognized that it's very important to have allies and uh, mentors who become your sponsors. And uh, once you have established that network, uh, whether you need help in a particular thing you're doing or whether you want to move roles, having that network really helps. And I think it's also important, you know, naturally people always try to build a network when they really need something. Whereas if you have been proactively interacting with people when you don't need anything from them, they are more than willing to go out of their way to come and help you or support you should you really need something within a short time frame. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree. And you mentioned mentors. Did you ever have a mentor who helped you throughout your career journey? Uh, well, yes, I've had multiple mentors. And, um, you know, uh, and I think um, all of my mentors have played a very uh, instrumental role in, in helping me achieve my goals and uh, helping me, you know, sometimes it's not even related to work, you know, in trying to establish a work-life balance, you know, um, as a working mom, uh, it was uh, interesting at the start, you know, to try to understand how do you balance, you know, taking care of your kids and managing a career. So I, I looked and I connected with other women in similar scenarios who are now in leadership roles to understand uh, how, you know, how to do and how to go about things. So, yeah, I do. I do uh, value the mentors I've had and I still do, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then you mentioned work-life balance. Do you have any specific hobbies you do outside of work that help you like de-stress or relax? I love gardening. So that's, uh, I think that keeps me grounded literally. And um, I, I um, enjoy listening to music. So, you know, that helps as well. So just, you know, trying to find simple things that, that keep you yeah. happy and just finding the time for it. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Um, so we're going to switch gears into financial education. Um, financial education is very important and crucial for setting students up for a successful future. Staying within your budget, maintaining a good credit score, paying your bills on time are some of the things that students need to learn about. And a well-rounded financial education is critical in helping students navigate the complexities of personal finance and make informed decisions that will benefit them in the long run. So. When you entered the workforce, what was the most challenging aspect for you from a financial and management perspective? So I think, uh, you know, when I moved to U.S., I had to understand how the country works because every country has a different way of operating. So I understood that um, in, in the U.S. it's very important to um, have a good credit score and how, how long you've had credit matters. Like I come from a country where 
people may not necessarily want to use your, their credit card as much. They prefer to use a debit card or they'll use your checking account. So it, it was uh, different at the start to understand, you know, how the operating model works in the country. I think the most important thing is you need to understand that when you're borrowing funds, you need to return it in a timely manner. And uh, that helps the lenders, uh, uh, you know, I, I value you as a client and you can obviously the higher credit score that you have, it would help you in whatever financial requirements you may have in the future. So be responsible um, when you are incurring debt and paid off in a timely manner. And I think it's uh, almost all the financial institutions have advisors who are out there to educate you. So try to learn as much as possible. And uh, don't wait till you get a job for this. You know, you may be in school or just high school. Talk to your parents, ask them to take you to the bank. The bankers are always there to explain to you the fundamentals of banking. How do you open a savings account or a checking account? What do you do with the pocket money? If you have pocket money, you know, how can you be smart about the money you have in hand? And what can you do to help it grow? Because if you don't come up with a way to save money or to make it grow, you have to continue to work to make money. So, you know, I think having that discipline right at the start is important. I think a lot of people don't recognize that through the years they've incurred a lot of debt and then they are stuck in a loop where they have to now struggle to, to pay off that debt. So, you know, understanding what is out there to help you, whether it is to support your needs as a student, you know, people may think of higher education. So, you know, figuring out what are all the banks out there willing to offer you a good, good uh, loan if you need it. You know, it, it's important that financial planning is taken into account at a very young age so that it will help you in the future. Yeah, thank you. That's great, helpful advice. And I also wanted to emphasize that in addition to everything else, it's important for students to learn the importance of ethical financial behavior and making responsible choices with money. Um, so switching to our last topic of discussion and one of the most important topics, which is mental wellness. Um, for a student in high school or college, it's very important to navigate the pressures of academics, extracurricular activities, and social expect expectations without sacrificing their mental health. Once you start working, having a successful career also involves maintaining mental wellness. Do you recall a time in your career when you were faced with a stressful situation that challenged your mental well-being? Yes. So uh, when I was pregnant with my first child and I had to give birth prematurely, um, I was suddenly in a hospital and the baby was born and the baby was in the ICU. It was very stressful for all of us because it's not what we had expected. Um, and uh, very quickly, I had to figure things out and try to plan what I need to do as a mom and also what I need to do because the, the, the planning that I'd done from a work standpoint had to change. So in such a circumstance, what I found useful was to maintain an open dialogue, have the communication at the workplace about what I can do, what the leave plans will be, and how, you know, what are the terms and conditions at which I can, you know, return to work. And at the same time, having a good support system help. And because of my corporate experience, I recognize the importance of 
networking. So I connected with the support networks of, you know, preemie moms and preemie parents to have a good support system while I was spending the time with my son in the ICU and uh, communicating with the doctors, with the team who was caring for my child and uh, trying to, you know, be calm and composed. It was difficult and challenging because while it may be easy to do things in a workplace, when, when your own children are involved, it may be more emotional. So it, it was, I found it helpful to practice mindfulness and, you know, meditation. And um, while it's important to have a vision and a future plan and, and plan accordingly, sometimes in life you may come across circumstances where you really need to think about one day at a time. You know, the phrase one day at a time really made sense for me during those days because it was about what do I need to do with the next for the next 24 hours in while I'm sitting in the ICU and just focus on present because sometimes the future is so uncertain that it can create a lot of fear. So at that time, it's very important to focus on the current, focus on what you can do and uh, have a good understanding of what you cannot do and not to worry about things that you have no control over. So yeah, I, I think, you know, you cannot control everything, but the moment you recognize that, you know, what are the things you can focus on and what are the things you can change, you work towards that. And having an open dialogue with people helps, um, you know, loneliness can really be um, difficult and, you know, can, can cause other problems, especially when you're faced with a stressful situation. So having that good network of family and friends that you trust is is very is very important and uh, if needed reach out to uh, you know professionals who can help you out yeah absolutely i think it's so important for students or just people like adults in general to have a support system or a community or obviously as you said a professional who can help them and just to have people who are supportive and empathetic around them is very important to promote mental wellness um, so our last topic is compassion fatigue or empathy burnout. Um, they are related to mental wellness, but are often overlooked. Um, if you're unfamiliar with compassion fatigue, I'm going to provide some background. Um, it's basically if you are taking care of someone who is dealing with some sort of mental health crisis, such as a friend dealing with anxiety or depression or a parent or grandparent suffering from dementia, Alzheimer's, etc., the focus is always on the person who is exhibiting these symptoms, and we normally don't ask the caregiver how they are feeling, and oftentimes the caregiver can experience what is known as secondary traumatic stress syndrome and exhibit similar symptoms of anxiety, depression, etc., which can affect their mental wellness very negatively. So it's important for caregivers to care for themselves while also tending to the problems of others. So did you ever have the responsibility to act as a caregiver to a person with a mental illness or disability? And what was your experience if so? So not specifically in that category. However, I think, uh, you know, as a parent, um, you do end up at times having compassion fatigue. Um, you know, for me, for example, the, the days I spent with my son in the ICU, it was stressful. And I think, um, you know, as a caregiver, caregivers um, of, you know, in whatever situation they may be, uh, sometimes there are challenging moments as a caregiver. And, and because you're spending that time, you know, taking care of someone else, sometimes you may not look out for your own needs, you know. So I think as a caregiver, it's important to recognize that and acknowledge you're doing your best and, you know, try to 
Um, also, take care of your own health. Take care of your own food and health. You know, a lot of times you forget to eat meals when you're running around doing things and you are so exhausted. But uh, I, I like to, you know, follow the analogy that they, they say in the aircrafts, right? You, 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 when, when it's time, you take your own oxygen mask first and then you give the child, the, the, you know, set up because you have to be up and healthy and, and mentally able to look after someone else. So it's very important to take care of your own health. It's very important to join any support networks that are available, whether it's a parent's network or student's network. And, uh, you know, I know I keep emphasizing the point of networking because I feel that the human connection is what really helps you. It's, it's that strong bond that you develop with, with people that, uh, that really help you uh, come through these difficult situations. For those who've gone through difficult situations, they will soon recognize that there is nothing more important than your loved ones. There is only so much that money can buy you. You know, you cannot buy health with money. And, and, you know, so, you know, once you go through that traumatic experience in life, you really begin, begin to uh, value humans and human relationships a lot more. And I think it makes you a little bit more empathetic than someone who may have not been uh, subject to that. So I, I would always, you know, advise everybody to, try to join any supportive networks out there and, and try to do something different, do something for yourself. Don't forget yourself in your journey of giving care to others. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for that very helpful advice. Um, I have spoken to a lot of people who have said they've gone through compassion fatigue and they said they explain it as like this feeling of being sucked into a vortex that pulls them down slowly and they have no idea how to stop or get better, which is a reason why self-care and self-compassion play such a key role in maintaining good health as a caregiver. And I believe that it's very critical for that everyone, including students, adults, anyone, cultivates it into their daily lives. Yes, and I think um, having a positive outlook makes a big difference and trying to focus on, be grateful for what you have, think about uh, all the good things that are happening to you. Don't just focus on the negatives. Uh, there's always a plan. Like you have to be practical and think about what's going wrong and course correct. But at the same time, when you, uh, when you look at you know, how your day has been, instead of complaining about the 20 things that are wrong, you can acknowledge the 20 things that went wrong, but what about the 10 things that were amazing that day? You know, try, try to find the good because there's always something good. Yeah, absolutely. I think being optimistic is a very important skill that some people should develop. Um, thank you for engaging in a conversation with me. Um, do you have any last piece of advice for our listeners? Um, I just want to wish uh, Cash all the very best. I think uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for all the listeners and the viewers to gain insights, uh, especially at a young age. Uh, and I hope that uh, I'm able to influence the audience in a positive way. Yeah, of course. And thank you so much for coming on once again. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.